Whoa, easy there, Greg. <laughs> that wasn't me. That was the ketchup bottle. Are you sure about that, Dad? <laughs> yeah, I'm very sure. I didn't cut a fart at Christmas dinner. I wouldn't do that. Welcome to Blood and Black Run Podcast's Festivus Series. This year, we're bringing you all kinds of Yuletide classics, such as Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, They Did It Again, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, Oh, James Bond, you seasonal scoundrel, Trading Places, where people are just shitty, and The Santa Clauses, the newest conservative Disney Plus TV show. We hope you enjoy all season long. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Run podcast, and we're here with our Christmas specials. It's gonna be a great time. Christmas! Christmas is here, and I'm here with my co-host, Martin. We're celebrating the Christmas holiday. How's it going? And, uh, Christmas! It's Christmas time! I know Christmas is uh, one of Martin's favorite times of the year. Very special for him, where he does nothing different from his normal... Why would you? <laughs> I I do. I once once November comes through and you like you get through Halloween, it's like immediate switchover. So it's a flip a switch. I, I pull out my Christmas books. I you know I, I throughout the year I read you know mostly like horror and science fiction and stuff. But uh, come November, I'm pulling out the fucking Debbie Macomer romance novels. <laughs> it's Christmas Dude. on Candy Cane Lane over here. You're not. You're not reading a uh, Christmas story for the Christmas I have, Carol I, for I mean a Christmas Carol for the seven hundredth time. No, you know what? I it's been a while since I've read a Christmas Carol actually. Um, oh my and, god! And actually, you had brought up a, an interesting idea that I think would be kind of fun to do at some point. It'd be difficult, but it would be fun. Is to do um a, like a whole month, a Christmas month of just doing a Christmas Carol variations, which yeah, I, think, I was just, I was going to say that I was just thinking about that. Cause that, that would be like the saw marathon. It would be, just be like, very difficult because like, you know, we like to talk about the themes in the movie as well as the movie itself. And so like to go through four times and talk about like, <laughs> well, this is how they did the ghost of Christmas past this time, uh, would be pretty difficult, but I think it would oh, yeah, be kind of interesting. I mention, say, did I mention that when we did Scrooge last year? Um, you mentioned it this year, actually. I think you mentioned yeah. it on uh, maybe a couple episodes previously when we were talking yeah. about what we we're going to do for the Christmas holiday. Uh, you you mentioned it. I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. That's a, that's a cool idea. I th- I definitely think it would be kind of hard, and um, I think we'd have to come up with like topics. We'd have to be like, how does this movie hit this topic, and how does this movie do with this topic? You know what I mean? Uh, like. Oh, how's the redemption of Scrooge in this movie how, versus how movie? how crippled is Tiny Tim in this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. But I think it would be really fun. Um, alas, we're not doing that this year. And also, where you had talked about doing like the um, like a, a marathon of Hallmark movies, which I also think would be not fun, but a <laughs> cool idea to do. Um, uh, to kind of like go Tiff- through and. Tiffany's a single mom who works a lot and has fallen out of touch when it comes to Christmas until a man comes and helps her find Christmas spirit. Yeah, but what's, Come, her, what's her job? It's very important that you have a specific business uh, lady. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta have something specific. Like, is she like? An she's, ex- an adver- she's, yeah, an she, okay, she's an advert. She's an advertising. She's she's an advertising. She's a TV exec who gets no time. You know, 
She she's she's promoting all the Christmas shit, but she's not actually in, into the spirit stuff like that. You got to have something specific that 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 catches her, like she, or she's a veterinarian, something like that. Like she she cares so much about the dogs, but yeah. So I think that would be a cool idea too, and that's something in the future. You talked about a Lacey Chabert uh, month of just doing Lacey Chabert Hallmark movies, which. Uh, I think is is a cool idea as well. Um, we could also sneak Mean Girls in there at some point as like a kind of an offshoot from that. Well, you know, because um, we we're both huge fans of Mean Girls, and yeah. it's a shame that on year eight we still haven't done it yet. But unfortunately, the main line the sh- uh, movie's known for is like right smack dab in Halloween territory. So yeah. it's like you know, I know we'll, we'll have to find a time that we can we can actually do it, but. Uh, just imagine being Lacey Chabert on set, probably filming like five of these at the same time. Like, okay, spin the set around. I mean, right. I mean, if they were smart, that's what they would do because all she's got to do is swap sweaters. You know, they've got like a a whole bunch of sweaters in the back. She just just a swap bunch them. of ran- just a bunch of random European men that's like acting <laughs> in it. Like, yeah, yeah. All right, get that other guy over here. We can do it with him now this time. Well, we're not doing that either uh, for for this <laughs> for this series. Uh, it's a lot less um, intricate than any of those. It's it's really just random movies that we picked out for for this year for for the Christmas season. So, and it's the first year that we're not doing any horror related Christmas. Yeah, films. that's true. Um, we we exhausted ourselves on the Silent Night Deadly Night verse, so that's kind of out for now. Um, well, I'm glad because I think the only things that are left are like bottom of the barrel, home sweet home level films, and well, my heart can't take. That. We still have Don't Open Till Christmas, which I think is a pretty good movie and one that I would like to do. Uh, it actually just came out on Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome not too long ago. Um, I didn't get it though. Uh, if I had, then I, we would probably do it this year. But um, <clears throat> I might hear that, that Vinegar Syndrome. On. Yeah, yeah. That? They sent me other stuff. They sent me Texas Chainsaw Massacre two on 4K. But they didn't send me don't open till Christmas, so. Well, I mean, who's the winner there? Yeah. You won won out. No, truthfully, (laughs) TCM2 is not my favorite. It's very screamy. It's a very screamy movie. It kind of gets gets annoying in parts, but uh, neither here nor there. Like, don't open till Christmas would be a fun one that I think we should do. If Elves ever gets a uh, solid transfer, then I, I would think about it. It's a terrible, terrible movie. That is definitely home sweet home level. Um, of a movie, Elves is really bad. I've I actually watched it maybe two years ago again, and I had a really hard time getting through it because it is so bad. But it would be one to do. Um, so there's a couple other things for horror, but this year we're we're kind of foregoing that. We're gonna do all you know holiday favorite for most for the most part holiday favorite type movies, um, and we're gonna start out with one of my favorite movies for the holidays. Uh, part of a, a twofer that I normally do for the holidays um, every year, and actually I can because it's basically the same film. Yeah, really. I could watch these movies uh, over and over again throughout the holiday season. I really like. It doesn't matter if it's on TV, and it's almost always on TV. Literally, just turn on the TV to like one of the movie stations. It's on. I, I guarantee it. Like, or flip around. If it's not on the one station, it's on another station. It's gonna be on. Um, if it's on TV, I'm gonna just have it on because it is one of my they're 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 my favorite one of my favorite movies probably my favorite holiday movies um, that are not like Black Christmas. Um, so we've already done 
the first movie. We've already we already did Home Alone. Did that took, took us a long time to get there. Did we do it last year? Yeah, we did. Yeah, last year. Uh, so we already did Home Alone. So we're gonna do Home Alone two, Lost in New York this time. And I want so it's kind of a little difficult to do these movies because I feel like I have so much wrapped up in them. I have so much nostalgia for them and so much I've seen them so many times that it's it almost gets hard to talk about the reasons why I like them or to be subjective about the movies. But we're going to do our best and Martin took copious notes during his watch of the movie. So we're going to kind of run through those a bit as we can get them into the the show in a, you know, a linear manner. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna go through that. We got, we've got notes. I'm glad he took a thesis. He did a thesis on this. Um, I've so, seen Home Alone two more than I've seen Home Alone one. Um, I, I think watch... that's the case for me as well. Yeah, Home Alone two is is a movie that I feel like it probably depends on your uh, situation, like growing up. But for me has a very big nostalgia factor because of the New York City setting. Um, because for one thing, New York City during the holidays was uh, a big thing for me when I was growing up. Like we would routinely, you know, every year, not every year, but a lot of years we would take bus trips down to New York City. So it was kind of like a nostalgia thing. If you've ever been to New York City and during the holidays, it really depends on how you feel about that. Like if you are a fan of Christmas and you're a fan of busy, then New York City is like the place to be for Christmas because it is fucking fanatical. Not only um, that, let's say not only that, it's '90s New York City. So what yeah, that, yep, you know what that yep. means? We've gone back since the '70s New York City, <laughs> crime-ridden hellhole. Well, that too, because <laughs> the other thing that really stands out about the the setting too for me is is Seinfeld is why that's so nostalgic for me too, because Seinfeld is a very nostalgic uh, show for me. So it's like a comfort show. It's one of those shows that you can, I can just put on and just like, you know, let it ride in the background and feel, why we feel call, homey. That's why we call what we do. The Festivus series. That's right. Um, so I think that's part of why I have such a, a strong feeling for home alone too. And I like both of the movies a lot but I do have a. I've I've seen this one a lot more. And, and so, what what are your reasons for seeing it a lot more? Just because it was on TV more? Or? No, I had both of them on VHS as a kid. Um, the Talk Boy is one of them. I had Talk Boy as a child. Got one for Christmas. I, I did you? not. No. Mm-mm. You didn't get one. Uh, no, I don't. Rem- I definitely don't remember having one, or even wanting one, or even knowing what one was at the time. I, I can't remember if I asked for one or not. I don't know. It's kind of immaterial. But I had one. You didn't. But I'll tell you right now, though. It did not sound, have the audio quality at all that it does in this film. The high fidelity that you, you think there's like a Yeah, there's like a bo- You think it was a boom mic he yeah, was working. Yeah, right. <laughs> Somebody's working on it in the background. And like it's getting, you know, now it's getting uploaded to like a soundboard and somebody's yeah. like working on it digitally. <laughs> Remove the noise. <laughs> Fix the echo. No, I can no. only I can only imagine how much that fucking thing costs, but I got one for how, like Christmas. How was yours like? It was it was you know, you, you talk into it and it comes out really tinny, like, <laughs> yeah, and crackly. Like, and, yeah, and the life on it was shit. And, you know, did now, it actually like, use tapes? Yes. Like, like in yes. this, like you actually yes. had to you record had, you, onto a tape? Yeah, you had a tape and you would put it in. Mm. 
you could ba- you could use any blank tape, which uh, for our younger folks, there used to be this thing called uh, cassette tapes, uh, where it was uh, basically smaller than your iPhone and had tape reel on it, and that's how you would listen to music before CDs became really popular and e- cheaper. And this thing, you'd shove it in there, and you would record things on it, like farting or whatever the hell you wanted to, and you could play it back. I'm actually um, surprised that it used tape because it seems like a complicated device for like a, a kid, right? Like to well, have just, to like. No, you just shove on a tape in there and poof, did, record, did it play record, record over it? Like if yeah. you if you ran it back, it would just record over what you recorded previously. If you ran it back and recorded over it, yeah. Huh. Nope, didn't have one of those. Did you have? Uh, there was like this. This uh, it was almost like a uh, like a stereo that you would insert specifically made uh, t- tapes, like mini tapes, and it would read them to you. And I remember specifically, it was like shaped like a robot. No. And you would insert the tape, and I had Tales from the Crypt Keeper tapes, um, which would be based on the TV, the cartoon show. You know, there's Tales from the Crypt, which was the adult show on HBO. But then there was Tales from the Crypt Keeper, which was the kids' version, which was an animated series. And these tapes were the Tales from the Crypt Keeper stories, basically, but they were told on tape. I don't even know what that was called, but if anybody knows what that was, feel free to let us know. Because I definitely had that one. I didn't have a Talkboy, but I did have that. It's It's even got its own Wikipedia page. The talk boy? Yes, it does. Well, I feel like I missed out. I feel like I... Like I said, I can only imagine how expensive one of those fucking things were, you yeah, know? Yeah, really. I like it, too, that it's fucking... Got Macaulay... On the Wikipedia page, Macaulay Culkin <laughs> is, like, The really... original talk boy was designed yeah. as a prop. So yeah. Used by Macaulay Culkin, but John Hughes sniffed money. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and people were like, holy shit. This thing could be big. Which is funny, too. Like, you, you mean, like, somebody had to think about that? The first film made, a, you know, a yacht loads of money. And then they had to kind of think about, like, oh, what? Like, I'm surprised they weren't shoving shit in here left and right trying to get kids. Like, you'd buy shit for your kids. Like, hey, hey, don't just get a talk, boy. Oh. Uh, I found I found that tape player that I had. It's called the Tiger 2XL. It is currently online and you can buy one for 163.99. But yeah, that's nice. what that's what I had. You can buy Sega Saturn with that money. That's even better. We're going we'll see we're just like going right down nostalgia lane right now. Well, Home Alone 2 was right in our, you know, released now, in 1992. I- I did not have the game for my Genesis. Mm, the Home Alone ha- 2 game? Yeah. No, I didn't I'll, have that either. I had the original Home Alone game for my Genesis. <laughs> I didn't have that. I had Power Rangers and I had uh, Batman. I did not have Home Alone games. Speaking of that crispy crack in the background. Mm. Yeah, it just fucking went all over again. I told you this. The, <laughs> I, 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 I think no it's just idea. you. My both times I cracked mine open, they've been fine. Uh, seven hundred and ninety seven hundred and ninety nine dollars for a unopened, unused Talkboy on eBay. Wait, no, it's used. This thing's beat the crap. Oh my god! 
Who would be foolish to do such a thing? <laughs> Obviously no one. That's why it's still there. Yeah. So speaking <laughs> of, we'll take a break real quick because we're kind of getting Crisp. sidetracked on all kinds of stuff. Speaking of the crispy crackiness of that, that you just heard in the background. <coughs> excuse me. I'm going to have to use a piece of paper to fucking <laughs> wipe up the, the fucking beer spill that I had. It's like Exxon over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, we we are talking we got a beer on the show and uh, like I said we uh, when I said to Martin I don't, I, we don't have them on the show that often this, this beer company so I thought it might be appropriate well it is appropriate it's appropriate for this episode because of course the subtitle of Home Alone 2 is Lost in New York and uh, I'm talking about Brooklyn Brewery which um, if you haven't seen, there's actually a nice YouTube series where it's like head brewmaster talks about styles of beer and does like tastings and tries to figure out whether it's a cheap beer, or, uh, expensive beer and stuff like that. Uh, head brewmaster is the, the, that's on that YouTube video is the guy that brews for Brooklyn brewery. And, um, I was lucky enough to go down there, not to the actual brewery, but to like the, one of the brew pubs down there. Yep. I don't know how many they got, uh. Last year when I was down there for a show, and it was nice. Never been, but I've had a few of their beers. I haven't had a ton of their beers. Uh, we I've do get a lot of them, too. Yeah, I think part of the reason why I haven't is because um, their, um, their uh, four packs, or I'm sorry, their 12 packs with four different beers in them are a little confusing to me because they never do a, like a rotation. It's always like, it's always like the same box, but then they like put one different beer in it and you don't know what is in that pack. So it's kind of, to me, I'm always kind of like, ah, I don't know if I want to take the chance and I've already had like every single beer in that pack. So I don't know why like, meat, a lot but, of, like, so some of these I don't have on my, uh, my untapped because I, I, I've had like <clears throat> a lot of their stuff, like the Bel Air Sour and stuff. And it's kind of, kind of started off before we kind of. Ooh, they got a pills in now. That looks delightful. But um, Brooklyn is kind of, at least for me, and Ryan might agree, um, as a brewery, is one of those craft breweries that's, uh, they're there. They put out good products, but by good, compared to a lot of others, they're incredibly mediocre. And what, what do I mean by that? They're a brewery. A craft brewery that's been around for so damn long that, like, kind of the stuff they do now, they're chasing trends instead of trying to do anything new and unique. And they kind of, they're making their money. They're happy where they're at. Like mm -hmm. your Sam Adams, like your Goose Island, you know, stuff like your Saranac now. Like, things that you know, like, if you drink it, you won't be offended, but you're never going to be like, I got to have that again. Yep. Yeah, like, yeah. it's been a long time since I've had a Brooklyn where I've kind of been like, holy shit, I gotta have this. Like, the West Coast IPA was one of the first from them that I remember being, like, they're the first beer I remember having from them that I was kind of like, this is really fucking good. But, you know, that was ten years ago now, so it's just, you know, dip in every now and then, but for the most part... You know, it's not anything that I go out of my way to grab because it's, I know I'll be content with what I got, but I won't be, you know, I won't be astounded by it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that Brooklyn is fine and it, you know, it's just not something that I, I go out of my way to get every, every now and then. But 
Um, I, I do like a lot of their like their seasonal beers. Um, I think their summer IPA is pretty good. And, um, you know, I, I think I think they do a pretty good job all around. It's just not something that I'm like struck by. So, but I but I when I saw this one, I was uh, in intrigued because I do know that we have had the Brooklyn Winter Lager on a past show. Had that one, but they had they now have a Brooklyn Winter IPA, which is um, a red IPA. It's called Sledder's Choice Red, and. Uh, I don't. We had not had that one, and I I had never had it before, um, so I was intrigued, and I picked up the the twelve pack, and uh, here we are. And Martin had actually had it earlier this year, like early, early, like January. So it I was, can't for the I can't for the life of me remember yeah. when I've had it, but it was the checked tail into. End. It. You know what? Maybe I had it like at Project Twenty Nine. Could be. Yeah. It was. It was, uh, it was definitely. You know, yeah. it was it was right in the at the beginning of 2022 and you know January, so still the winter. Uh, but yeah, you you had already had it, but I thought it would be a cool thing to do because obviously it has loads of of uh, you know stuff that that ties in with Home Alone too. You know, we've got Brooklyn Brewery in New York City. We've got being a winter ale. We've got red because there's all kinds of redheads in Home Alone. You know, and John Hughes has a thing for redhead moms. Apparently, that's his fetish. So, it all ties in. <laughs> so, for winter IPA, what do you well, what do you think about this one? It's okay. Um, take a nip there. It's all right. Um, I'm not a big fan of red IPAs to begin with. Um, really and we've done a couple on here and i think for everyone i said the same thing i just don't think the style works that great i think the over you know the overly bready maltiness that they kind of add with a red ipa to a regular ipa it just doesn't really pair that well it becomes a weird mixture of the hops and like going from you know, a traditional West Coast style IPA where you do get that nice balance of the hops and the malt. I think the maltiness just kind of it's kind of just always a little off putting. It's not bad. It's you know crisp. It's easy drinking. It's seven percent. Um, but I mean, to be honest with you, it's just it's just very fair. It's Nothing I would go gaga over, you know, I mean, if you don't like, you know, breadiness in your IPAs, and this ain't going to be for you, like, if you're looking for, like, a Nipa, um, does it make me feel like I'm warming up for the winter night? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that this is a, I mean, I like it. I, I like, I like red IPAs for the most part. I think that they have an interesting style to them. Um, I, I have, you know, I, I do think it's kind of weird to call it um an ipa because with the red i with the redness of it, it it's almost it almost like kind of cues towards like a esb or like a you know like it, it's not as good as an esb but it kind of hues towards that instead of an ipa with with all of the maltiness to it but um i think that they've done a pretty good job with this style um it, it does have uh notes of rye uh which you know do come out a little bit towards the end and it's not as uh it's not as nice pronounced pepper. as something like the Ruthless Rye, 
you know, from Sierra Nevada or anything like that. But it, it definitely does have uh, sm- subtle hints of rye to it that, that come out with the, the breadiness. Um, I do like how the can notes too, like the, the, it tastes, the tastings of it as juniper jam. And then they say, uh, where, where, where are these? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they say, uh, notes of snowfall, which I like. A lot. <laughs> Curious where, what snowfall tastes like. And where, beer, where, but. where is the juniper? Where's this jam? What kind of jam? That's very vague. Is it just... <laughs> I don't think there's anything that exists on Earth that's just jam. I know. Juniper and jam. But but I I think they've done a pretty good job of this. And I I, I think it's pretty drinkable, um, especially at 7%. And I think, you know, for for the the 12-pack that you get, I'm I'm satisfied with my purchase. Like you said, it's not bad. But, I mean, it's nothing nothing astounding. Mm -hmm. Nothing that's going to, you know, take me away. Sure, sure. You know, looking on their website, I see they got a... Shackmeister, which is supposed to be their uh, for the like pale ale for you and like hey you want to get some Shake Shack. And these Shake Shack burgers do look good, but I got a problem. I've never been there, but I already have a problem if I ever go there. Crinkle cut fries. Nobody likes crinkle cut fries. They're literally the lowest tier of fr- French fry. Get That's them true. Off your, I don't really get, get them off your menu. They're so overly soggy nonsense. You need. A nice steak fry or a shoestring or a curly. None of this crinkle cut fry crap. Leave that to Nathan's, okay? Nobody's gonna eat them anyway. You go for the you go for the hot dog, but you know. It's true. I I uh, I agree about the crinkle cut. No amount of bacon and cheese that you dump on those fries are gonna save them. They're gone. The crinkle cut is just not it's not built for the fry. Right. All right, all right. Let's let's uh let's get back to home on two because we got a lot to talk about. Got a lot to talk about, and I know the first thing that you want to talk about, the first thing that you really want to get out, especially it's the first thing on your notes, is you want to say, and go ahead. I'll let you say it. Oh well, first that you're not using the proper name title. It's Home Alone Two: Lost in New I, York. I did say that at pre- I, it, it's for this movie. This, this <laughs> podcast is already going to run two hours long. And we we got to cut down where we can, and that's my no, that's no. myself editing there. No, 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 because you do that every time. You editorialize and take out the subtitle, okay? But I did too because I just wrote the notes. Home Alone Two. But now my first notes on this is the same notes I had with the first film. Fuck this family. This family sucks. What a miserable hellscape we walk into again. The McAllister families running around their asses on fire, ill-prepared for a trip to Florida, which that's how you know this film's 90s is shit. Oh, where are you going to go on vacation for Christmas? We're going to Miami. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I know. You, I you, you, literally, you literally went to France last year. I know, this time you're like, let's go to Miami. Thinking. That's what I was thinking. Do you think that is that a downgrade for this year? Yeah, you might. You know why not? Why not just say, hey, we're going to Dolly. We're going to Dolly World or Graceland. Know. Or, you know, that's what I was thinking too. Like last year was very like you know privileged and uptight. We're 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 traveling internationally. We're going to Paris this year. They were like. Um, it was a lean here, guys. <laughs> we're going to my, we're going to Miami this time. Sorry, um, you know. But no, I like, I like, like that's how you know it's so nineties because this is why people from upstate thirty years later they think their dream home is in fucking Florida. Like, oh, 
If I only got out of upstate New York and went to Florida, everything will be great. And well, I, like, do, I do like, too, you know, they kind of seem to be going on the pretense that Frank has said, hey, we stayed at the, we, when we were on our honeymoon, we stayed at this really great hotel, basically. And uh, we should check this out for our trip to Miami. And so they do it. And then when they get there, they're like, the fuck is this shit? It's like a dive hotel basically you know rain well rain. they're going down in the middle yep. of hurricane middle of hurricane season like yep. and this is like right around the time of hurricane andrew would have went fucking fl- plummeting through florida and you know burying it underwater yeah so i, it, I, I like that they they get there and they find out like wait a second this isn't <laughs> the dream trip that we were all anticipating I'm just expecting you to you know some Michael McKean to pop out and be like chicanery, this chicanery, you know. You know. And I think it's funny too that you 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 hate this family so much. So obviously they do have a very extended family because you know between the two families, uh, you know Frank and his wife and uh, uh, Peter and and uh, his wife, they have like eight kids apiece between them. Like I think there's five in Kevin's family. And then I think there's like another four or something in the other, the other family, and so like, first of all, they that would must be, my, be very fertile. Everybody that would be, this... that would be my own personal hell right there. Yeah. Being like, good news, you're going on a vacation with your family you, and like you and your eight cousins. <laughs> it's like, just like, because oh, you have a pretty extended family too, which is why I thought, you know, you would kind of, um, you would kind of like see the appeal of having like this kind of vacation but no apparently not like you didn't have extended family christmas we went like on no we went on a vacation once as a family to new jersey with well, me my my parents my two sisters and my grandmother and we were supposed to be there for three days and we left on the second day because everybody was a miserable <laughs> wretch in the hundred and three degree heat we were supposed to go to new york city and see the ocean didn't get to do that Went to Six Flags twice, and everyone was pissed off and miserable except me, and we went back home. So there you go. The- that's, that's why Martin has such a dislike of this family, because they're they're actually doing things and, and potentially having a better time than his family did. So Listen, uh, I don't I don't keep it a secret. I'm 33 years old. That was my only vacation my entire life. I mean, and, and every, every every other time there was like somebody in the family was going out of town like for a vacation like that. If my mom was going to Colorado, or California to visit relatives, it was just her and somebody else. And we weren't fucking tagging along. It was her to leave us to our own endeavors. <laughs> so, you know, so we weren't like the barber clan packing into the fucking, you know, Ford Fiesta and heading on down to Virginia Beach for you know for Memorial Day. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was saying too is that you know like I didn't have as an extended family as uh, they do in this movie, so I don't have the experience of like having so many people going on the trip at the same time. But you're right; it does look like hell, and and obviously it is hell because this is the second time in a row that they've missed Kevin. And, and not only, not well, not only that. First off, John Hurd, shame on you. You fucking you, idiot. You messed you, it up uh, again. Well, I mean, again, like, so stupidly, though. You unplugged your goddamn... Alarm clock. Alarm clock, and you didn't think it wasn't going to sync up. It's 1992. There's no satellites beaming down to your fucking alarm clock as soon as you plug it back in to let you know, hey, this is what the time is. You got to set that son of a bitch by yourself. So the fact that you just 
went there cavalierly and just unplugged it and shoved it back in there like which why was he unplugging it what were they taking what was he taking off that he was uh grabbing the um the cord the extension cord no the outlet no it was like the uh the special adapter to the outlet for whatever reason like because remember he asked like oh do they have those fancy outlets or some shit like that because he was thinking about Paris, you know, how they have the different yeah. outlets. Yeah. I think he was he was grabbing something like that, but you're right. Yeah. No, they messed it up again. And so so John Hughes, that brings us to a good point. John Hughes is really getting a lot of mileage out of basically... The first act is the same goddamn thing. He yeah. sat there laughing his ass off to the bank as he sat there <laughs> writing this shit again. Like, I'm going to rewrite out of the three acts... Two of them are gonna be the same fucking thing. <laughs> I know. Like, and you know, it kind of it kind of plays out in Home Alone too. Like, it's you know, it, it's like a almost like a, a uh, an Easter egg to to the previous one. Like, you remember this? Remember when this happened? But remember when he, Kevin? Remember when Kevin wasn't in the van? Well, he oh, and they're like, "Where's Kevin?" And he's actually in the front seat. Yeah. You know, like, oh, it's, it's, it's pretty much like you know, th- this was easy writing for for Johnny. He already did. He already did the hard work. <laughs> this is this is like when you um, you get an, an assignment and it's like, I just wrote that essay last week for another class. Like, I'm just gonna redo it. <laughs> And that's pretty much what John Hughes did here. And to be honest with you, I think that for the most part, um, producers were all too happy to have him do that. They're like, "Well, the first one was such a success, John. I mean, if you can if you can copy it down just a little bit differently this time, like perfect. We're 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 in the clear." So I think it is. I think actually. I think actually too the whole montage of like when you go you know playing around and they're all running around trying to scramble to make it to the fucking vans. Um, I think that was just stock footage from the first film that they you know just re- <laughs> yeah. they changed the lighting in the background on like on the film and you know yeah see you didn't have to film anything you know yeah. Chris Columbus clapped his hands and he's like yeah yeah I did my job. I mean, where we get the differences is when, you know, they actually have to go to the airport. And the airport is, you know, the hectic scene where they're running through the airport and, and Kevin's being a little shit. It's like, Kevin, you don't need a fucking bad well, right no, now. no, hold on. Time out. Kevin's not being a little shit. He's not being a little shit. He's being a kid. Dad's being a son of a bitch. You're running, you're, your family's stampeding through O'Hare <laughs> like you own the fucking place. Yeah. And not only that, you jogging, like, jogging around. You're not holding your kid's hand or anything. You're following. You're like, yeah, kid, come on. You can catch up. Let's go. You know what? They should have rented a fucking, like, golf cart cavalcade that would just drive through. Because not only, so I've, so I've flown a few times and never have I been greeted at the, the fucking Game. lobby doors with men that come out and take your, your suitcases out and it's like, sir, do you need anything else? Uh, should I help shuttle wow. this gun through security for you? You know, I've never <laughs> well, been well, like that. Well, hold on. Have you seen McAllister Estate? Well, I know. That's, that's and there I'm you saying. go. Yeah. That's, that's why you haven't had such luxury. You don't Apparently live. not. But, Kevin but again, Mc- so, so why didn't they rent a fucking... You know, caravan of golf carts to bring them to the the gate. This is this is before O'Hare uh, and all the airports put in like the fucking treadmill for you to stand <laughs> right, on. Yeah, carry the, your the, the standing <laughs> treadmill. Carry your fat ass there. Not only that though, let's just say when Kevin's searching for the battery for the talk boy and his dad runs off and your dad in a pea coat runs the other way <laughs> behind him, you know, 
and Kevin starts chasing after him. What the softest jog I've ever seen somebody <laughs> take in my life. Like the daintiest. Like, did you see him though? <sighs> he didn't wear his tennis shoes. He was in very nice flats, and it, you know, it's slippery <laughs> in O'Hare. You never know what. Like kind it's of like just, it's just, it's just funny. He's just like daintily no, like. <laughs> Not only that, but Christopher Columbus gives us like three different edits of him running from the booth, like when they first start out. Because like you see, you see the backside of Kevin's father getting further away because he's staring at him and he's like, "Oh no, he, he's he's getting away." Yeah. But I've got the battery. I've got to put the batteries in, so he stops. And then you see like this guy come out of the booth from behind and then start running. So he, then he notices them again, yeah. and then you see him again from like the front side running away. But that's our third edit, and it's, like, in the span of two seconds. Not like that, too. You also get, like, when they get to the terminal, they're like, where, where, where are we going with the gate 817? Gate 817! And then you see the signs, like, H and K, and it's like, none of them say 817, like, 800 to like, <laughs> or anything. So that whole, it's gate 817 is fucking stupid and pointless. You know, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. I can definitely see this happening, though. I can definitely like it. It does. It's a realistic idea that you would, you know, you'd be running through the the airport and your kid just goes to the wrong one. I do like that. There's a lot of um, serendipity here. That like he runs into the lady, smacks the fucking tickets out of her hand, <laughs> fly all over the place, and she's just a nicely like, oh, it's here somewhere. I don't know. And then this guy comes out of the the fucking plane. This guy, this one hey, random we're guy, take, like, we're taking off. Yeah, he's like, he's like, board him. He just like gives or, he just barks orders, board him, but find his father before you leave him on there. And like, they don't even find him. They just like, he's like, oh, I think that's him. And like, all right, kid, have a good flight. <laughs> yeah, See? you imagine it's just like just, just some random guy that she leaves him with, and she doesn't even bother to check. No wonder him. why. No wonder why. You know the airline industry's gone downhill in the past thirty years. Fucking goddamn the films like this well, giving the flight attendants a bad name. Well, like yeah, just it shows like, it shows fucking American Airlines or Delta wherever they fly. Is American again. American? They uh, accidentally uh, human traffic a lot. <laughs> what is I say? What is it with like films of like the eighties and nineties when it comes to like. Uh, you know, sponsorship deals like this and them being shitty. Like, you remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie starts off with a Domino's guy trying to deliver a pizza and he can't do it in time because the assholes <laughs> yeah. are under the grate. Like, sorry, loser! Yeah, Pizza's free! Yeah, you didn't give it to us on time! Definitely Boy. a great, great uh, advertisement for American Airlines. Hey, we might lose your kid! You know, it's Fly not like today... It's not like today where, you know, James Bond's sitting there with a Sony Bravia TV in front of him as he's got the Heineken tip perfectly. So you can be like, Heineken, good beer. I mean, honestly, though, this, this, whole, this whole sequence leads to probably the best scenes in the movie, which is when they're at the baggage claim and they're passing the... Well, no, the, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, oh. You forgot as they're taking off and he... This is actually a part that I thought was really funny is uh, when Kevin sits down and he's on the plane. He's like, oh, you ever been to Florida before? And the guy next to him just starts speaking the French. Yes. Yeah. Like, that I thought, a good... <laughs> it's actually a nice, really touch. And I was I was laughing my ass off. Well, I, I think it's really funny when he, when he like, he just like keeps talking. Does, he just like starts, he just puts his headphones on. <laughs> his phones on. Yeah. Just like not even, you know, it's sort of like the uh, introvert's way of getting out of this. I'm, I'm just going to put these on. Yeah. But and he, did, and he just keeps talking. Just kept talking. But you're missing the best part. We 
get to hear the greatest Christmas song of all time. That is Tom true. Petty and the Heartbreakers, Christmas all over again. And to be honest with you, I thought this was time traveling because I was like, there's no way that Tom, Pet- that, that Tom Petty song was out in 1992. But yes, it was. Mm-hmm. It was. I, for some reason, I was always thinking that it was like written in like the early 2000s. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. But yeah. Where's Michael Bublé's cover version of it? <laughs> oh, baby, it's Christmas. All over. I think that's the Brian Setzer Orchestra. It's the same damn thing. <laughs> um, no, but but that does take us to like some of my favorite parts. When they get to the baggage claim and they're just passing the luggage along. Here, here's Kevin's. Here's Kevin. Pass it along. And then, you know, it comes back around. Kevin's not here. And then you get to that end where, you know, we, we get that. Kevin! Ab- yeah, absolute sh- uh, sh- harpy scream from Catherine O'Hara, who gives us that that nice, you know. It's, it's not a John Hughes movie either without a fucking faint. Somebody's got a faint in that's, it at some that's point. Right. But then my second favorite part of this this whole sequence to get to this is when they, they end up at the police station. And you know you noted it as well, where they come in and they're like so kind of distraught about it that they're they're just joking around because they don't know what like even know what to do. So they're like, never lost our baggage though. <laughs> it's great because they're doing seriously. Like, they're like, oh, you know, uh, you lost your kid. It's probably back in Chicago. Is this ever? Is he? Is he caused trouble? No, he doesn't cause trouble. Has this ever happened before? And. Catherine O'Hara is like, no, no, no. And John Hurd's like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, kind of has. And then, and then like, you're like, oh, yeah, that happened last year. McAllister family tradition. Don't lose the baggage, though. And they knock out the fucking desk. I know. And they're like, they're laughing, and the, the cops just looking at them <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, like seriously. So, like, they, they when this guy's calling Chicago, he doesn't fucking, like, call, like, you know, Illinois, like, uh, Child Protective Services. Like, yeah, I got, <laughs> yeah, two, right. <laughs> I got two parents up here who claim they've lost a child for the second time and back-to-back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like there's no intervention or anything. It's just like, oh, these these parents. You, you Listen, would definitely, you would definitely think CPS is going to be looking into this. Like, you know, <laughs> hmm, this seems like too much of a coincidence that you've lost him twice in a row now. You, it, 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 it seems like a, a very good plan to like lose a kid in the airport and just like act like I don't know where he went. You know, and and obviously too, then they would start interviewing people and they they'd find out that oh yeah. Kevin made a I scene think, at the I think, recent I, uh, Christmas Carol. Uh, I think, I think this movie's proof of why like millennials are so protective of their children. Though, like you, you can't bring your kid anywhere without them being like, eh, "Where's you know?" You know, everyone's like kind of like got them glued on them because they got this anxiety from watching this movie when they're four years old. Like, oh my god, they could be lost in the lost in O'Hare and nobody cares. I'm lost in O'Hare and nobody cares. Lost in the biggest city. In one of the biggest cities in the world. You know what's it's funny though? I'll say, I'll say, you know what's funny though too is uh, when you talk, uh, we're talking about uh, shit. What were you just saying? Um, I'm talking about the cops. How that was funny. The uh, I don't know. I don't know what oh, else. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess you lost your train there. 
Yeah, I did. But... Well, that's okay. I-, I wanted to move on a little bit because I don't want to go through like the film in chronological order. Obviously, like people have seen this a million times, so we don't really need to go in chronological order. But I'll try to touch on some of the ideas that you have in your notes and and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that was it. it. Sorry, okay. sorry, came to me. What do you think of Kevin having to apologize for Buzz doing the most unfunniest prank ever and everyone yeah, no. thinking it's uproariously funny, scandalous, putting putting candles next to Kevin's ears as he's singing his little solo at the Christmas pageant? No, I agree. Yes, I... Ke- Kevin, you must sit here and apologize, not just to Buzz, but to your whole family because you made us all look like assholes. Yeah, no, I think that's I think it's perfectly acceptable. For Kevin to find out that he's being made a mockery of in in, part, in front of the entire audience, and they're laughing hysterically, they think this this joke is so funny, and and so like what what is he supposed to do with that? Like he's just been completely embarrassed, and then you know like his mom basically acts like he was the one that caused the entire scene, and it's like no. I'm pretty sure that Buzz caused an entire scene. Well, it was the same thing in the first film when, like, he's like, oh, can I have some cheese pizza? And Buzz like, I ate it all, and pretends to throw it up. And then Kevin hits him, and they're like, look what you did, you little shitbag. I know, it's all instigated by Buzz. It's it's not right. They they definitely understand where Kevin is coming from here because he's he's getting the short end of the stick every time. And he recognizes that because he's a smart kid. He's, he, you know, he, he definitely understands the the nuances of like how he's not getting treated in the the appropriate way. That that but that but you know, Buzz should be getting the uh, the reprimand here. Speaking of kids, real quick before we move on, you ever wonder that Fuller's what's Fuller's teeth like and when he hit thirty? You think they're just rotted out from all the coke that he's sitting there chugging away? <laughs> I know. I mean, Kieran Culkin has actually done a little glow up here. But, um, yeah, no, Fuller, it's hilarious because, like, at the end of the movie, too, they show him and he's got, like, six cans of uh, Diet Coke in the in the bed, too. Um, it's great. Yeah, he definitely he definitely has a problem. Like, piss, like I was saying, pissing the beds, I am, that's, like, the least of his yeah, worries. Like, yeah, you know, tooth, tooth, I was saying, tooth, not even, like, you better be flossing religiously, like, tooth <laughs> decay. Like, you're, like, a dentist's, like, dream and nightmare at the same time. Like, <laughs> you're going to make a lot of money, but God damn, it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, so let's go, let's move on a little bit here, and let's talk. So, so Home Alone 2 is notoriously a very long movie. It's two hours long. Um, Home Alone itself was, you know, it was fairly long. It was about like an hour and 45 minutes or so. Um, but, but Home Alone 2 is, you know, a very long movie at, at two hours long. Um, it's, it, and so it has a lot going on to hit that two hour mark. Um, and it, we can kind of break it down into, um, like maybe three different conflicts here. So, the first one we have is obviously Kevin getting lost in New York City. That's you know that's one of the main conflicts. He gets lost in Manhattan. Don't well, sure. If you want to be, specific. he's not going down to fucking Staten <laughs> Island. You know, yeah, right. R- running into fucking Pete Davidson, like, hey, what's up? Go Jets, you know, Long or, Island, or running down to the Bronx or anything. Yeah, you know, no, he's true. It's just, uh, hey, I'm in Times Square. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in Central Park. The uh, the the lost in in Manhattan idea gives us a very nice 
uh, 90s New York City vibes to it. You know, obviously we get all the kind of sightseeing and stuff. We get um, a nice little montage of him visiting various areas of New York City. Um, and honestly, too, you know, for him hiking it all across New York City, he's definitely put in some miles here. That poor taxi driver's like, holy shit. Like, you know. <laughs> um, but the other conflict that we get is uh, between Kevin and the hotel workers, which is led by Tim Curry as the concierge. Mm, yes. And Tim, Tim Curry. Cu- Tim Curry. I honestly, I love the whole idea of Tim Curry being this like super Snoopy concierge who's like, got to just got to know what's going on with Kevin and why he's there. Rob Schneider is Rob Schneider in early 90s fashion and it's delightful. Just like, nah, nah, nah. Yep. <laughs> and then you got random woman. <laughs> well, her name is Hester Stone, which if you, you, uh, you can catch that on her little, uh, um, name tag, have, yeah. which, which I don't even know if it's listed on IMDb. As what she, she what her no, actual name is. She's just listed as uh, what the hell? She's just listed as uh, desk clerk Dana Ivy. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. She her name is Hester, which I like. I like yeah. I like I like this. Uh, if you watch it on, I watched it on Disney Plus, which has the 4K with uh, HDR and uh, and you can actually see what's yeah. like all the stuff. You can you see know. it as stuff is a, a pretty good transfer, but um, I love the three of them. Because it does add such a slapstick slapstick shenanigans to it. Um, I will say too, I have to. We point this out, and I pointed out about James Woods. You know, <laughs> Rob Schneider, noted, noted, noted asshole noted. and uh, <laughs> conspiracy we, theorist, yeah, weird dude <laughs> in real life. But I do think he, does, he puts in a pretty good job as the bellman here. Um, well, let's say, like, early Rob Schneider, like, early 90s Rob Schneider work is, like, bit parts like this. Or, they're always fantastic. Like, yeah. this, him being the banker and like, Beverly Hillbillies, the movie, you know, with Jim Varney and Diedrich Bader, you know, he's fucking great. And, like, you know, and these little, because they're basically little SNL parts, basically, you know. Yeah. Where he gets just, just going. <laughs> he has some great deliveries here. I mean, and part of that is because the jokes land the, the jokes are good but you know he, I, there's a really great the great part where he you know has to go and get a tip and stuff and it's a kind of a return to the same joke over time he, you know, first of all he get Macaulay gives him red stripe uh, fruit stripe fruit red stripe red stripe <laughs> that would be it's beer would be a tip right hooray beer <laughs> yeah. yeah no he gives him fruit stripe first as a tip and then when he comes back uh, you know he he's says no, you know what no, no thank you i've already got i've still got some <laughs> and they set that up perfectly because the first time we see him uh tim curry's like cedric don't count your tips out front yes and tim curry's really great in this too the the, the film has a lot of good details one of my favorite details is when they're chasing um kevin through the hotel and you know, Dana Ivy's kind of uh, stu- turns around, not it's kind of a deer in the headlights, and just like gets gets her body in front of him, and he slides under, and then they all get tackled. And Rob Schneider's on the ground, and it shows Tim Curry dragging him away, and there's just like, this <laughs> great sound effect of like the squeakiness of the 
and he's dead. He's like just deadpan. Where yeah. it's just like, no. The best part, the best part, of like that whole bit, which I do love the whole um, hotel chase bit, as short as it is. I love the part where uh, Tim Curry's trying to figure out like what what's this kid doing here by himself, and we, he says he's got a, his father here, but I haven't seen it. And he finds out that the card's been stolen, and as Ke- uh, Kevin's sitting there and he's watching the Grinch, uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas and uh, the limousine that he, where he's eating his own cheese pizza and we get the nice little light over the Grinch and when you see stolen and then you see like bingo and you hear the ting and the light go over his head as he's smiling just like the Grinch. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's, that's so perfect. That's yeah, it's like a, it's a great fade into that. I, yeah, I know he he does it so well. He does the which the speaking Grinch of style. I. I will say, though, seeing as children back in the day when you're like, what do you mean he didn't swipe this card and, like, threw a machine? No, no. We had these old things where you'd have to lay down a piece of paper. put You had to put the card down on this little brick. Put a piece of paper down. Run the thing over it so it imprints onto the paper so you could fill out the note on there to then send to the credit card company to then have you get, bill, you know, imbursed for that money. I know, because even in, like, the mid two thousands when I was still working retail, not mid two thousand, uh, early twenty tens I should say when I was still working retail. If the power went out, no, no, that didn't mean you stopped fucking you know processing things and went home. You broke that fucker out, and if anyone had anything on a credit card, you had to sit there and go. <laughs> so that thing would have taken like that. That they probably wouldn't have found out that thing was stolen until like two <laughs> months from that. Like. <laughs> Well, Kevin. Well, whenever, whenever I say, I say, whenever American American Express or Visa or Mastercard gets around to processing it, like, oh, (laughs) that would certainly be a more grisly Home Alone too. You have Kevin (laughs) struggling on the streets, dead body, just dying in in Central Park. They find him, (laughs) and the parents find out, and then the police call like a month later. They're like, Like, we have good news, sir. Your son was we've located (laughs) Kevin. We've already buried Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> we we buried him last week. <laughs> Thank you for the help. <laughs> uh, the horror of Home Alone Two. Um. All right, but so yes, we so again we have a conflict with the the hotel workers. We ha- then we have another conflict. It's not really a conflict, but it's another like arc of the film where kevin you know kind of experiences the the pigeon lady and um you know he didn't he didn't learn his his lesson from the first film right and he kind of the the idea i guess the idea behind what john hughes is driving at here is that like you can help people can help each other right like so so the pigeon lady helps kevin and kevin helps the pigeon lady and together their synergy is uh you know I think you I think you mean Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins <laughs> is trapped in Central Park and is yeah, right. a a flock of pigeons that are just attracted to her and she's been trying to get away for 30 years and she can. What I will say is that while I love Home Alone 2 as a movie, I do acknowledge that it is too long at 2 hours. It's definitely that that's definitely an extended runtime. I think that John Hughes got a little bit uh, ahead of himself he w- is a little indulgent in home alone 2 and i do think that there are just too many um elements to this movie that make it a little bit too long like i think we can lose the that pigeon whole, lady 
I say that whole the whole pigeon lay sequence when they're in the theater where it's supposed to basically be like him at the church talking yeah. to the <clears throat> snow shovel guy. Go, I was looking at my phone the entire time because I'm like, yeah, I know the conversation. It's basically just open your heart and follow your dreams. Yeah. And blah, 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 and, I, you know. I think we can lose the pigeon lady because I don't think that it's necessary to the movie. And I do think, again, that this is, you know, it, while I think Home Alone 2 has a lot of great moments to it that even though it follows like the same idea as the original, it, it definitely branches off. I think that the pigeon lady hues way too close to the original and it's not necessary to the movie. Like we've got so many other things happening. You've got um, him, you, you already have the motivation for him to help out with, you know, stopping the uh, the sticky bandits because you, you, he, he already knows that he wants to help with the, um, with the, the toy, toy store. store. Because he knows that they're donating all that money to the children's hospital. So there's really no reason for him to even have to encounter the pigeon lady who says, yeah, you know, basically you should you should do a good deed tonight. Because the good deed ideas are already implanted in his head. Like he already knows that he's going to stop the, the sticky bandits. So I feel like it's unnecessary and it adds probably about 15 minutes of content that we really don't need in the movie. And... You know, I guess that there's a, there's a reason why it's in here, especially because she pops up later on to help him out in Central Park. But I, I think that they could have done this. In Otherwise, way. Kevin would have been shot. This is how you don't get that other uh, Home Alone 2 film. It's like they had to, well, we got to have somebody fucking, an old lady show up to be like, oh, go my pigeons, go. Otherwise, Ke- it's going to be an episode of Law and Order. Fucking got Jerry Orbach running around and Chris Knopf back then. Like yeah, uh, we, what do we got? Dead kid in uh, Central Park shooting. I think, it, I think here it, we go again. It definitely bum, used, bum. It's it's definitely too close to the original for for comfort. And I think to cut down on the movie, if they had lost that, I think do it would have been fine. Do you think John Hughes did that purposely, or do you think that it was like probably the studio being like John, you fucking yeah, I don't know. You I make mean, us, you make us that five hundred million dollars, okay? You fucking. Do write the same goddamn thing, and we'll, we'll I, make it. Again. I do think, in some part, that, that yeah, the producers did have a role in saying make it as similar as possible because it did well, well. John. Well, John Hughes was the producer, so. But but to be fair too, John Hughes does have a a habit of writing very similar movies. Like like if you look at Dutch and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, like you, you could basically make the case that those are the same movie, but they're no, just. One's- One's a masterpiece, the other one's trash. <laughs> but I mean, but this—the idea is the same. The idea of traveling and you have various ailments throughout your travels is the same idea. And I think that you know, we probably have to look at it both ways. You know, maybe producer said make it very similar to Home Alone, but also John Hughes was like, I'm gonna use my template that worked really well, and I'm gonna just, you know, swap things out here. Because that's basically what he does. And actually, when it comes to the Sticky Bandits, who are, you know, this time are trying to rob a toy store, a lot of the same ideas and, and um, devices are employed uh, during the trap sequence of the movie. Which, to, to be fair, I think is really interesting that this movie takes so long to get to the Sticky Bandits. Because, yes, they do show up, like, earlier on in the movie when we see them at the fish market and stuff. But it takes a really long time, probably, like, maybe 50 minutes to really get to the sticky bandits um 
and their like their 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 new plot to to like uh, get to steal in this movie. It it takes a long time to get to that, um, but I do think that that you know that they John Hughes is really utilizing a lot of the same ideas for this movie and just trying to um, get a little bit more intricate with the trap sequences when we get to that point. What did you uh, think of Duncan's toy chest? <laughs> I like Duncan's tro- toy chest. I think it's interesting that we, you know, we see Mr. Duncan there at the beginning, and he really um, makes it a point to almost be like a Santa Claus figure. You know, he's there. He doesn't refer to himself in the first person. He just says, Mr. Duncan. Mr. Duncan's going to do this. Mr. Duncan's going to do that. Um, and then disappears, uh, you know, when when Kevin's leaving the store. Um, I think it's an interesting way to, to show that, and uh, I'm, I'm not really sure why they played it that way. But I think, one, here's one thing I hate about toys and Christmas films. You go to, like, a toy store or whatever, and they're like, oh, my God, look at all this shit. You know what they are? They're not toys. They're antiques. You're, they got, like, oh, here's this nutcracker doll. It's like, yeah, it's from 1872. It's antique. Don't touch it, you little shit. Where, where, where's like the Sega Genesis, the Super Nintendo, the, the Talkboy? Where's, where's the actual toys for the kids of these generations? When you go to like a toy shop, any Christmas film, they're always re- these ridiculous right. like. No wonder like, why the it's like Punch when, and Judy. When, it's it's no wonder why when like the elves and like Santa Claus are like kids don't believe in Christmas anymore. It's like no shit, you're making a wooden doll for them. You know, Timmy doesn't care. Tim Allen's right. Oh, here comes Santa on a Panzer. <laughs> That's what the kids well, want. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about it, you know, <laughs> Kevin's coming into the store and he's already got the fucking, uh, you know, talk boy. So he's got like the top of the line toy of the 90s. And he's coming into Duncan's toy chest and Duncan's like, I've got a wooden pterodactyl. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wooden pterodactyl on a string. How would you like, how would you like unpainted turtle doves on its on ornaments on a tree would that suit you <laughs> I, mean, I mean i like like the aesthetic of like christmas films like you know toy stores and these films are ridiculous like the whole like like 1840s like tr- tr- like dr- like you know cash machine like you know like oh, hold on let me sit here and open the till i gotta do like five round cranks to get the pop open like uh, how much was how much was the toy did the toy ring up it was like twenty three dollars and like fifty cents, and I was like, "Think of goo and a pack of condoms." I don't fucking so, know. Honestly, like, I thought he said it was twenty three seventy three, which would probably be like sixty dollars in today's money. And then, he, obviously, Kevin gives him twenty five, and he gives him a dollar twenty five back. And I was like, "I was, I think he gave him incorrect change. I think he, I think he screwed him on a few." few coins but not only that not only that fucking these assholes with their life lesson are sitting here holding up the goddamn line oh hold on mr duncan likes to take the body on down to the children's hospital to see all the dying children to give them one little joy in life before they die it's so fun here's some turtle doves you'll learn to love life and blah, blah, blah. while some poor family sitting back they're like hey asshole my kid wants to go to Denny's after this. Let's fucking hurry this up and get a, I Come on. You're holding the line up. That's the other thing about uh, <laughs> the New York City setting in, in this movie is that it's not populated enough. 
it's a it's dead. You would think yeah, we, no. you were filming up where we live. Like it's all the shenanigans that go on, and it's just like oh, there's like four people on the side of the street. While you ha- constantly have people in this film be like, you want to find this kid? It's like finding a needle in a haystack. It's like no, it's not. He's the only person fucking running around the streets at fucking seven o'clock at night. There's apparently a curfew in 1992. Everyone's like, oh, pack your shit up. I know. Day's I, done. I think it's interesting when he goes to the Rockefeller Center at the end and is looking at the tree. And I've been to Rockefeller Center a few times, and like, for, I was I couldn't even get to the fucking ice rink. Like it was so busy. Like you couldn't even couldn't even get near it. Um, I think it's interesting. Like no one's there. I mean, I know it's probably like two o'clock at night now. You know, but still. You would think that people would just be out and about because it's New York City. It's a city that never sleeps. It's, it's Christmas, too, so, you know. It's true. I mean, not, I don't know. They're not, like, tucked away, like, oh, I can't do anything. It's Christmas. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it would be busier, but, um, yeah. It, obviously, in, in every, every movie like that, like Elf, too, you know, another New York City movie, it's not as busy as, you know, like... It, it's clear that they were like, shut the street down, shut the street down. There's too many fucking people walking through here, you know. It's not the French Connection where they're shooting the car chase scene during the middle of, like, actual pedestrians right. walking. And, like, the horn honking is actually to warn them to get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, it's it's just... That's always an aesthetic with Christmas films. It's always bugged me. It's like, oh, you know, just that novelty of like, oh, it's all we're all living in Charles Dickinson's Christmas Carol, you know, and, and we're not. So, what do you what do you think of the uh, the actual Sticky Bandits part of the when they go back to the uh, the house? You know, it's basically it's Kevin's uh, it's Kevin's uncle who's renovating their like uh, apartment. I have since I was a kid always wondered what the fuck that like tube popping out of the house was. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, like the trash shoot thing that they've got that he climbs up. I think that's like supposed to be like a vent so like you don't get like you know poisoned by the toxins inside. But, you <laughs> know? Kevin climbs up it. Like <laughs> Kevin later had lung cancer. <laughs> Not only that, though, the fact that he was able to pull out his dad's address book and figure out what how to read an address and be like, oh, yeah. The, and it just so, again, serendipitously, it so happened to be like two blocks away from the plaza and fucking Duncan's toy chest. So, woohoo! Well, I've known some grown men and women who weren't able to read the grid system in New York City. So, more power to Kevin if he understands where 95th Street is. Well, if nobody's fucking around in town, it's pretty easy to run around the streets if no one's running around. <laughs> yeah, what, so what do you think what do you think does this one is this one better than Home Alone with with the traps and such or is No, it- it's very I mean, they're not bad, but it's very much fucking the same shit and it actually just it's just it's just kind the, of it's just there to be like uh wily e. coyote roadrunner garbage like yeah, you know it, it kevin actually, Ke- kevin kills people actually kills people this time like they're, they're dead like every time he dropped a brick on fucking harry's head dead <laughs> you know it's not oh how many fingers are there? he's dead man's dead he's committed little sociopath committed manslaughter like and probably more you know actual murder like six times throughout this film 
I, I, uh, when I, well, first of all, I, I want to say, yeah, they, they kind of repeat something because, uh, Harry, no, not Harry, um, uh, Marv, no, Harry, no, it's Harry. Harry gets his hat set on fire in the first movie, and then he also gets it set on fire in this movie. Here, he does the nice handstand into the toilet, you know, and <sighs> blows up gasoline in the toilet, but, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think this this movie kind of returns to some of the tropes that they used in the first one. Um, however, I do think that there are a, a couple of funny moments during the, the, those scenes, um, especially when Marv is in the basement and climbing up, or actually falls into the basement, and he says, he just looks up and he says, wow, what a hole. Mm, and I, I, I say that all the time. I, <laughs> I use that in my daily life all the time. When do I use that in my daily I don't know, but I do. All I know is from after watching him set up the traps in this, it's literally like Kevin sits around at home all day watching PBS This Old House. That's how that's how he's like figured out like how can I jury rig like you know this up and that up, and he's sitting there watching Bob Vila on This Old House. Like I know, well, you know, like, he'd give our engineer friend a run for his money. You know, set up an ergonomic chair. <laughs> Kevin's got it first, and <laughs> our engineer friend. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I think like th- this movie. Not only I'll say not only that too. The fact that Kevin starts shit in this, like he's the reason why any of this happens. He could just walk away. You know, he doesn't have. He could go to the police and say, like, you know, tell him like he knows who's gonna, you know, break into Duncan's toy chest, etc. Nope, he feels he's got to wrap a brick up and throw it through a window. That and, is very true because all like he could li- like cause literally he could just like you know. He I mean, chases really, after the mischief, not like, yeah, you know, yeah. letting the mischief come to him. All he really needs to do is say, hey, I'm going to the police. He goes to the police. They, they, Truthfully, they may not believe him, but he'll say, listen, at 6 p.m. or whatever, you know, whatever time it was, yeah. it's midnight, actually. At midnight, I'm throwing a brick through that fucking window. So you better be there to stop me. So he throws the brick through the window. The police are already there. And then they catch them in the act. Like, that's all that really needed to happen. But no, th- this sociopath had to had to basically lure them to a booby trapped house. It's like it's like you know, uh, fucking some of those things that you, you hear about, like jungle, v- you know, Viet Cong style shit that he's got going on here. <laughs> Um, that, you know. Did you like? Did you like too? After like he takes the Polaroid stuff up and he sets the board up and they hop on it and then Marv goes flying through the air and crashes through that Ford. And it's like smashed in, yeah. like, like, like Jesus Christ! Like all I was missing was like a death wish explosion to go with it. Like, just like, just like, like oh, what happened? Oh, Marv got incinerated by that Pinto because when his body hit it after going at that speed, it lit the bumper on fire, and you know, caught yeah. the cat. again, Home Alone Two could be a completely different movie if uh, if that happened. Mm-hmm. There's a sticky bandit barbecue happening over on the other street. No, I mean, I think that this movie had, like, again, I I, I have a, a big nostalgia for uh, Home Alone 2, but I don't think that it has the traps that the first one has. But but I will say that it has a quite a number of good lines that I like. Um, the one line that I really like is when they're like, what's that sound? And you just, you know, we <laughs> get the, the shot of, this, of the tool chest falling down the stairs, and then it hits the door, slams them into the back of the wall, and, and Marv just says... 
That's the sound of a tooth <laughs> chest falling down the stairs. It's fucking I, hilarious. Well, not only that, though. That I mean, it's funny. But the whole... He ties a rope to the fucking craftsman tool chest. And then he ever so, like, you know, rips, like, with such ease. Like, he's pulling a fucking, like... The, the cord to start your weed whacker and this thing comes flying down. You know how heavy those fucking things are? Let alone when they're loaded with tools. If Marv tries pulling that door handle with a rope, like, it's gonna actually, like, he's gonna have to, like, really yearn on it to get that thing to fucking go down. It's not just gonna go, you know, and, like, come tumbling down. Like, that... that, that what kind of velocity are you throwing open doors? Like that, 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 like that bugged the shit out of me. Like thinking about it now, because it's like you know how hard you'd have to pull on that thing to get that thing to cooperate with you to then go down the stairs. Like it's <laughs> so stupid. I, I will say the best part about I will say the best part about the sticky bandits and the wet the wet bandits is anytime Joe Pesci's around and he's doing his little fucking grumbling. <laughs> And I fucking laugh. It's he's like he missed out his calling on being a gremlin. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because that's what he sounds like as he's like walking around. I just like Joe Pesci at first trying to get into the uh, place. Instead of trying to walk up the stairs, which are blocked, he's like, I'm an Olympic jump from this fucking track <laughs> up to the fire escape ladder. And, like, you know. Well, he knows um, he's already got the uh, the brand on his hand. Yeah. Nice callback. Like, so, uh, he knows, like, I'm not going to just try <laughs> the front door because I know that's going to be messed up. So, no, I, I, I think it's funny. But, um, what, uh, how do you feel about the, uh, the the John Williams score in this one. It's the same. Yeah. Is that him at the theater uh, doing the conducting? It looks like um. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. I feel it's just it's just missing Carol the bells. <laughs> I think again, this is sort of like you know, obviously he does put in a couple different you know renditions, but again, this is sort of like a copycat sort of thing. Where it was like, hey, we've already got the main score. Like, you don't need to do, uh, you know, if we can cut down on the amount of money that we're spending on you making original music for this movie, all the better. Uh, and, <laughs> nope, you're right. He was the conductor. Yep. He's uncredited, but he was the conductor in that. You're right. But yeah, no. I was no. going to say it looked a lot like him. I do I do think that they were they were encouraging of John to say, you know what? You put in a pretty perfect score for the last one. Um we'll obviously pay you the royalties, but uh we don't need anything big from you this time. <laughs> it's just a bunch of remix of Christmas time. Yeah. Christmas time. It's Christmas time. <laughs> Christmas time. Christmas time. So, so where do you stand on this? Do you think that the first movie or this one is the better movie? What's your, <clears throat> what's your, your feeling? <sighs> the first one, but I mean it's close because again, like they're so 
by the numbers so close to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things I like about this movie more than I like about the first. I like the Tim having Tim Curry and Rob Schneider in the whole hotel bit, even though if it's, it's got Trump going down the hall and to the left. Which, by the way, Kevin, excuse me, where's the lobby? You're walking through it, you dumb <laughs> little shit. Like, and Trump being like, down the hall to the left. It's like, you're literally standing in the lobby. That's what that is. The, like, idea, that whole, of, the idea of entering a building is called the lobby. The lobby. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> it would have made more sense. Like, Excuse me, where's the atrium? Like, where's, you, know, you know, but there's certain notes in this, I think, that play a little better. Like I said, like that, like the whole uh, hotel part and... You know, Tim Curry and the shenanigans that go on there. Even though a lot of it is based off of, like, a lot of the beats when the hotel shenanigans are basically the same shit from the first movie. It just works better because of the people who are involved in it. But I think overall, I think the fact that the first one, you know, you get that nice original taste. You get the nice moment of Santa fucking trying to start up his shitty little car with his little elf there. You get John Candy and his polka trying to, you know... Because in this one, you think, like, oh, you're going to see Catherine O'Hare desperately trying to track down her kid. No, she's, like, there for five minutes. Like, have you seen this kid? Have you seen this kid? You know. And you most certainly don't get John Candy. No. And you don't. And John Heard. We get for a second John Heard, like, I'll go out there. And she's like, no, you stay here. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it's still a really good movie. And, you know. But I think the first one is a more complete film just because it's of, you know, the originality. I think the biggest detriment to this film, even though it still works, is the fact that it's so by the numbers, beat for beat, the same goddamn thing as the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, they they didn't want to take any chances. They were too busy counting their money and seeing more money and going for that money. Yeah, I would say I like I like them both, and I I definitely would never skip one in the holiday season. Um, I do think that Home Alone is probably the the better movie because it is the um, probably the the most uh, like you said complete is, is I guess the best word. It's 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 very very succinct. Um, I think Home Alone two kind of gets you know kind of gets indulgent, gets lost in itself a little bit. Um, but but it does have elements to it that I like more than the first one. Uh, like the whole New York City nostalgia thing for me is really big. So that's one of the reasons why I like this, this movie a lot. Um, so it's it's really hard to pick one. Um, but I guess that leads us to um, on a scale of zero to ten. Um, ding celebrity ding dang dong. What the fuck is Ding Dang Dong? Is that <laughs> it's supposed made to be like up. a yeah, no, it's some some Pat Sajak show? <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to Just be like like, uh, like celebrity uh, Hollywood Squares or something like that, or like celebrity um, uh, password or something. It's just, it's just made up, but uh, yeah, no. We're on a scale of zero to ten, celebrity Ding Dang Dong episodes. What would you, what would you give uh, Home Alone Two: Lost in New York? I probably I give it an eight. I like it a lot. I mean, it's still something that I'm incredibly nostalgic for. Something that you know, I don't go out of my way to watch because I don't. I'm a sadomasochist like you, and I don't want to sit down and watch Christmas films all the time. <laughs> but um, it's still very good. Um, it's got moments that are better than the first one. Um, 
there's so, such comparable films. It's you know, I can see somebody you know picking and choosing which one they like more. Everyone's great in it. I think Kev, uh, Macaulay Culkin's definitely the better better in this than he was in the first one, especially because now yeah he's older. You know, it's not like uh, kind of cringy child acting. Like he's actually you know. Michael is great. I, yeah. I think he does a really great job. Yeah. Um, I think one of the short points in this film is the fact that Catherine O'Hare, she's not utilized nearly as much as she should be because she was such a, she is such a delight and was such a delight in the first film. Uh, watching, you know, her kind of plight. In this one, her and John her are like, it's happened again! And there's, you know, it's all background. Um, I think because we introduced, you know, the Plaza staff as villains in this group, we don't get the level of the wet bandits that you would expect to have in this because they don't show up as like a conflicting force until you're halfway through the film, an hour into the film. Um, but Joe Pesci and uh, Dan Hurd still do a... Or is it John? No, I'm sorry. Fuck that up. Who the fuck plays Harry? <laughs> Well, um, Joe Pesci plays Harry. No, that's Marv. Oh, um, uh, or no, maybe no, Joe Pesci plays Harry. <laughs> Daniel Stern plays Marv. <laughs> I've been mixing them up my You're entire life. You're thinking of Daniel Stern, most notable <laughs> for his role in Deep Star Six. Uh, well, no, well point is, they're still good. Uh, do a good job, just not as you know. Uh, they're not given as much to do, and the stuff they are given to do, though fun, isn't as uh, isn't as noted as it was in the first film. But mm. I, I, I would say an eight out of ten. It's, it's a fun Christmas romp. It's definitely a Christmas film I can tolerate. Like I said, I've seen it more than the first one, but I would say the first one's got to beat by just a little bit because it's got that originality to it. It's not. John Hughes being lazy as shit, writing basically the same movie and cash and check. Mm-hmm. It's still fun. It's still got that Hughes heart to it. It's just not, not as good. Yeah. Holy shit! That was Ali Sheedy as the New York ticket agent. Wow. John Hughes, way to bury her in the film. <laughs> Didn't even notice. Honestly. When are we doing the break? When are we doing the Breakfast Club? That's the <laughs> that's the real answer. So I would give this a, an eight out of ten as well. I agree. I think it's a good movie um, for what it for what it does. You know, it it obviously is a pretty close replica of the original. Um, like I said, it has a nostalgia factor for me uh, that may not you know hit everybody the same way, but for me, the New York City atmosphere the um the the way that it, it you know incorporates all of those elements and 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 kind of city hopping and stuff like that i think works really well and, and kind of it, it you know it it gives me good feelings um which is what you want from a holiday movie um i don't think it's the best movie and i think that you know it's definitely overly long at two hours i think that there's a lot that could be chopped out but i do think that it has a lot of great comedy has a lot of uh, just dialogue that I love that I will 
you know, use in everyday life. Um, what a hole. Exactly. Say that to my wife every night. <laughs> Tim Tim Curry is great in this movie as well. Um, and, and Rob Schneider, too. They, they work off of each other really well. Um, and like I said, Macaulay Culkin is, is, is excellent here again. You know, he's, he's kind of excelled a little bit more um, from his first. Even though in Home Alone, he's, he's ex- ex- really great. I mean, does a great job uh, in that movie. And it obviously embodies Kevin uh, entirely. But I think he does a really good job here, too. Uh, so, so overall, I mean, I, this movie is really good. It, it is definitely a holiday classic. I would never skip it for, for um, the Christmas season. I just think it's a little bit overlong, and probably the first movie is the better movie, but this also has a lot of elements to it that just make it um, very nostalgic. And so next time, we're going to have to do Home Alone 3, because technically that is a holiday movie too, right? Mm-hmm. It's been a long yes. time since I've seen that movie. I have seen Home Alone three in an inordinate amount of times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also written and, by John Hughes, right? Yep, and, and it has Scarlett Johansson Scar- in it. And Scarlett Johansson nude in that one. No, she's like fifteen there. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, I'm kidding. But she is in the movie. <clears throat> She's she's in the movie itself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's the older sister. Yeah, I I. It's been a long time since I've seen it. And to be honest with you, I also forgot that he had written Beethoven. So it doesn't <laughs> definitely doesn't uh, surprise me that I forgot that he wrote Home Alone three. When are we gonna do Beethoven? When are we gonna do Charles Grodin month? <laughs> Charles Grodin. Who knows? Maybe. What do you uh, say? What do you mean? You forgot he wrote Beethoven. The Beethoven is very Hughesy, and it's is home is home home alone four is a Christmas movie too. I haven't seen outside of that. I just know in one of them they lured Malcolm McDowell into it, and <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Home Alone four is also a a Christmas movie. I didn't. I did not know that. Um, but. In, oh, oh my God! In Home Alone, the Holiday Heist too. I guess we we've got our <laughs> next year set up for us because I didn't realize that these are all Christmas movies. Yeah, I think Holiday Heist is the one that has uh, Malcolm McDowell in it. Yep, it has. Wow, a look at three point five. Look at that 10. terrible DVD cover <laughs> artwork of a not Macaulay Culkin in twenty twelve. Be like, ah! <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm McDowell story says Sinclair <laughs> Fresh off those Halloween movies from Rob Zombie Malcolm McDowell and I need money give me money <laughs> The man's a hero he's definitely somebody who's a great actor who like I just act in shit for the sake of acting Yeah pretty much <laughs> A true thespian <laughs> um what's what's next for us next time we're doing honor majesty secret service we are which you have vehemently claimed is a christmas movie if die hard's a christmas movie so is honor majesty secret service i guess that'll be a talking point on the mo- and in the episode how christmassy is it whether or not it's that as Christmassy as you think it's gonna be, it doesn't matter. It's a fucking great film. So. Well, that's it's gonna be a talking point. That's that's all I'm saying. It's gonna be. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna. We're gonna sit down and we're gonna say. Well, 
Let's tally up the Christmasiness of it. Winter. Okay. Not Christmas based, but okay. Christmas. Christmas. All right. Uh, Angels of Death. Sitting wrapping their Christmas gifts. Okay. All by right. the Christmas Wrap, tree. Wrapping. Okay. Hot cocoa. Um, ski lodge, ski resort. Okay, okay I'll allow it. Telly Savalas. I can imagine Telly Savalas sipping hot cocoa. Okay. No, he's smoking cigarettes in the most uh, bougie, uh, effeminate way, but it's delightful. How about Christmas trees? Number of Christmas trees? Yes, you get one. (laughs) You get one. (laughs) All right. No, there's more than one, but I mean. Okay. All right. I'll allow it. It'll It'll be a fun time. I've never seen it. Where does this occur in the uh, Bond uh, sequence? So it occurs right after you only live twice, uh, where you first meet Blofeld. So that would be right after Connery's fifth film. So we get the brand new Bond, George Lazenby, first one and only film, which uh, is one of the reasons why for years people have derided this film. But over the past 20 years, it's become a fan favorite and accepted for the genius that it is because it's a fucking great Bond film and a great film in general with great action great pacing, great story great intrigue, no bullshit some bullshit but not a lot of bullshit until they go back into the bullshit for Connery for Diamonds Are Forever because when Lazenby got done making this film he thought there's no way this shit's gonna make it all that hippy dippy shit is what the future is. Easy Rider's the future. I'm not coming back for any more films. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so he was wrong. He was wrong. Well, and you know what? It pisses me off too because you know, and we'll talk about it a little bit. Well, we'll talk about it a lot when we get into it. Lazenby was not like great as Bond, but he definitely could have been great as Bond. And the fact that he didn't do other films is really disheartening because. This, by the time we get to You Only Live Twice, because we're not going to do every Bond film, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to, there's just too many of them. As much, but even as enjoyable as You Only Live Twice is, by the time you get there, the film, like this franchise is going off the rails because it's going so fucking batshit crazy after Goldfinger and Thunderball and then this. So we get a more grounded reality in this film. And then after Lazenby doesn't come back, we get Connery again for Diamonds Are Forever in the film. After that, with that film and the more films go fucking riding off into the sunset and batshit stupid land. <laughs> so, and I'm not a more fan for the most part because most of his films are batshit stupid outside of like two of the eight that he did. But so, if Lazenby stuck around, I would have been interested in seeing like maybe instead of all the, uh, Chasing, uh, you know, culture chasing that Eon was doing with the films, like with Live and Let Die, you get a black exploitation film. Then right after that, you get The Man with the Golden Gun, which is a fucking kung fu film, basically. If they stuck with Lazenby, if they would have kept, like, more of the grounded reality, because at that same time, too, you had films like, you know, Dirty Harry and Taxi Driver and such coming out. Like, if they would have kept with the more serious style and how that would have been, so. I think Lazenby could have done a really good job with that. So that's kind of for the next episode. But there is Christmas in this film. So that makes it a Christmas film to me because 
The barring on it is not that high. True. And it's a film that I've wanted to do on the podcast for years. And awesome. it's the only, only way we're going to get it in. Yeah. Well, 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 we'll do it next week. So, if you want to hear that episode, you should definitely subscribe to us. We're on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, our home base at Anchor.fm, Good Pods, pretty much anything. Subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review on there. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. You can search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Um, also, we have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what movies you want us to cover, and we'll take that into consideration. You can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. That all goes towards our beer, so we appreciate that. Thanks very much. Um, so, we're going to continue our Christmas season uh, all month long in December. Um, and our next episode is, as you heard, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So we hope you uh, continue to follow along with us as we, we cover these holiday movies and uh, have fun and a nice uh, Christmas season. And uh, until then. Take care and enjoy cutting a fart at a Christmas dinner. <laughs>